Amen. Trinity Church family, so grateful that it is the goodness of God that follows us everywhere that we go. Uh, Right where you are, I would invite you to uh, stand in reverence for the word of God, for the reading of God's word. It gives you an opportunity to stretch out a little bit and not be so comfy there in your couch and uh, just get ready for uh, for the word of God uh, that uh, will be shared. Mark chapter 8, uh, verses 22 through 26. The word of God says, They came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a blind man to him, meaning Jesus. They brought a blind man to Jesus and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the village. And when he had put saliva on his eyes and laid his hands on him, he asked him, Can you see anything? And the man looked up and said, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. Then Jesus laid his hands on his eyes again, and he looked intently, and his sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. Then he sent him away to his home, saying, Do not even go into the village. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Thanks be to God for his word. You may be seated. I imagine that 2,000 years ago, being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, the Messiah, meant that you never had a boring, ordinary day. I imagine that the disciples' days were always eventful, always memorable. I can see them now, night after night after night, at the dinner table, laughing and chatting about their day, recounting with great exuberance the extraordinary miracles that Jesus had performed that day. Can you imagine the late night conversation on the day that Jesus turned water into wine? It was the first miracle of Jesus, and the disciples knew that they were on to something good following Jesus. The miraculous catch of fish, Jesus cleansing a man with leprosy, Jesus healing the the hand of a a man, a hand that was withered, Jesus calming the storm, Jesus interrupting a funeral procession, turning it into a party rather than a graveside service. And the list goes on and on. Mark would argue that the healing of this man that was blind, that that we just read about, that it's right up there with the rest of the greatest miracles of Jesus. But Matthew, Luke, and John, they would beg to differ. How do I know that, you ask? Well, because they didn't include it in their writings. Only Mark wrote about this miracle. And I really don't blame them either. I mean, after all, this is the first and only time in the ministry of Jesus where someone is touched by Jesus and the miracle doesn't immediately happen. And I'm sort of with Matthew, Luke, and John. I prefer the words, and immediately after Jesus touched him, their sight was restored, or they could hear again, or the fever left them, or they were in their right mind, or they jumped up and down and ran home glorifying God. 
Because we all know that just one touch of the master's hand and you are forever transformed. But this miracle here, it's just so confusing. It's just out of character. The miracle starts out ordinary enough. Jesus and his disciples came to Bethsaida. Some people, and we'll talk about those some people at another time, brought a blind man to Jesus and implored Jesus to touch him. But Jesus doesn't touch his eyes immediately. Rather, he takes the man by the hand. He leads him out of town about 10 miles away. He spits in his face. Then he touches his eyes. And that's already pretty weird. But that's supposed to be it. That's supposed to be the end of it. The man is supposed to say, I can see clearly. He's supposed to hug Jesus and run home. But this crazy miracle in Mark chapter 8 tells us that Jesus touched him and then asks him a question. Can you see anything? Now, I'm not sure what to do with that. That after touching him, Jesus pauses to ask a question. Can you see anything? This is strange. This is strange, brothers and sisters, for a number of reasons. First of all, Jesus usually knows when a miracle happens. You know, like the time he felt power come out of him without anyone else knowing that a miracle had happened. He knew that a miracle happened. He knows when it occurs. And miracles usually work. With one touch. Miracles are not a problem for Jesus, ladies and gentlemen. They're kind of his thing. At times, Jesus wouldn't even need to touch a person. He would just simply say, your servant has been healed. And they would be healed in that hour, in that moment. But this miracle story is different. It's just weird. That Jesus stops to ask a question in the middle of the miracle. Now, facetiously, I say, well, maybe, maybe Jesus was just going through a bit of a slump in his miracle working ministry. Maybe he had tried one a few days before in front of a lot of people and it didn't go so well. So naturally now he's a little bit nervous. So instead of taking a chance in front of the crowd, he leads the man out of the city, tells the man that he'll try, and then does it, but feels a little nervous. It won't work. And so after he tries, he asks, do you see anything? But how many know that when God asks you a question, it's never for the benefit of God? I mean, after all, he is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He is the omniscient one, which is a big fancy church word to mean that God knows everything. So think about it. If God pauses to ask you a question, it's not for God's benefit. It's always for our benefit. Do you see anything? That was the question that he posed to this man in Mark chapter 8. I suggest that it's the question that he posed to the church all throughout 2020. And here today, it's the question that he poses to us again as we are ready as a church to move into 2021. If you have a remarkable memory, you might recall 
that we started last year with a sermon series titled 2020 Vision. And we use this very passage. And here again, this is the passage that has kept me up at night this whole week that I've been wrestling with as we move into 2021. Do you see anything? I believe that the Lord wants to refocus us in this new year, to focus us again. What might we learn from this two-touch miracle for which there is no precedence in Scripture? Mark seems to be saying that just because it was unprecedented didn't mean it wasn't important or it had no value. I'm not sure how many times I heard the word unprecedented in 2020. I can guarantee that more in this, that one year than in all of my life put together. But rather than to forget 2020, how about we do what Mark did? How about we include it in the fiber of our spiritual formation and learn from it? The miracle, though strange, is one that actually teaches us so very much. First of all, one of the main things that we learn in this miracle is that in the blurry, God is still working. In this miracle, this man went from blind, not to 2020 vision, but to blurry. And what I would suggest for us here today is that Sometimes, blurry can be a blessing. But when we can't see clearly, it forces us to focus more intently, to focus on what is important. If we're driving, for example, we, we might even turn down the radio. We would minimize distractions. We press in. We lean in, spiritually speaking. When we don't see the whole picture ahead. When we can't easily discern the work of God in our life, in our church, in our community, in the world. It forces us to depend more completely on Jesus. To lean in. To seek after him knowing that we are not enough. We don't have what it takes to confess that we are not complete without him. I don't know how many times... I fell flat on my face in 2020, saying, God, I need you more than I've ever needed you in my life. The year 2020 was many things, but it also allowed for many of us to lean in and to press in to God in greater ways. The other day, our, our youngest son, Abel, showed up with this masterpiece from school, declaring that it was his Christmas gift from his teacher. At first glance, I thought, wow, that's really nice of her. How thoughtful, how cute, how creative. But you know, the genius behind it is then we, that, that when we take it out of storage next year, we will measure Abel against it because this is the height that Abel is at this Christmas. And so when we take it out and measure Abel next year, we will have seen that he has grown. You see, this teacher understands that though the days are long, the years are short. And sometimes as parents, we, we forget in the dark, in the hurry, in the blurry of life, we forget to measure 
the growth that has taken place. We can't see the growth overnight. But growth is happening. In the grand scheme of things, I believe that 2020 was a year where we were able to grow as Christ followers. If we leaned in, if even once in desperation we threw up our arms and we said, we don't have what it takes, but we know that you do. Even in the blurry, as a church community, we have pressed in to worship together. We have done this even if it's via a television screen or a computer screen. We have become Zoom experts we have participated in community discipleship Sunday school groups. We, we have continued to faithfully pray and read scripture. We, we don't even see what these daily spiritual formation practices are even doing. But they're bringing about growth. Incredible growth in our lives. God is at work, even in the blurry. 2020 caused you to realize that when all else fails, Jesus is sufficient. And I submit to you that blurry has been a blessing to you. But what I also find in this wonderful miracle story is that this miracle is about more than just one man. Commentators believe that the reason that Mark included this strange story right where he did in chapter 8 is because Mark is developing this theme of spiritual blindness. He starts the chapter by talking about the blindness of the Pharisees. But the Pharisees are not the only ones that, that are blind. Most important to Mark is that the disciples are blind. They have, yes, received their, their sight by following Jesus, but at best, they still are walking around with blurry vision. In Mark's gospel, we see this pattern emerge. Jesus predicts his suffering and his death. Then the disciples rebuke Jesus for saying that he's going to die. Then Jesus tells them, no, I am going to die. And not only am I going to carry my cross, but if you want to be my disciple, you will also have to carry your cross. This is a pattern that we see over and over in the Gospel of Mark, the disciples have this blurry vision because though they recognize Jesus as the Messiah who will reign with power and glory, they refuse to accept that he is also the suffering servant. Jesus is trying to help his disciples understand that the call to discipleship is a call to follow Jesus to the cross, but also into resurrection power. Their sight was blurry. They just couldn't see clearly. So Mark's story about the progressive healing of this blind man is also suggestive to the fact that the disciples were very slowly coming to see that Jesus cannot be understood or accepted apart from the mystery of the cross. This miracle story of this man who can't see clearly not only represents the disciples in Jesus' time, but it represents all of humanity. Mark tells us that when Jesus asked the man, can you see anything? The man responded, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. 
Commentators agree that this man was not born blind. He had in his mind an idea of what people look like. He had in his mind an idea of of what trees look like. He wasn't born blind, but rather something had happened in his life. Something traumatic, something difficult, uh, something something that that was out of the ordinary took place that made this man blind. His story was not one of blind to sight, but rather of sight to blind, to blurry, to sight again. His story is one of sight to blind, to blurry, to sight again. Now, where in the world have we seen that before? Yes. That's the story of all of humanity. Humanity, too, started with sight. We were created in the image of God, able to see and enjoy God's presence fully. But sin, it distorted that image of God in mankind, and it made us blind, spiritually blind. Throughout the Old Testament, We find this attempt of humanity to see again. We find the law. We find the sacrificial system. We find judges and kings and priests and prophets. But at best, at best, these things only allow for blurry. It is only, it is only through the work and redemption of Christ Jesus That humanity was able to be restored to full sight again. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. What we celebrate in this season of Christmas is that one night in Bethlehem, that which was blurry manifest into full sight in Jesus Christ. And not just the shepherds in the field, but all of us are now able to behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. When Jesus shows up, that which was glory was fully restored to sight again. The story of Mark 8 is the story of all of us. It's the story of humanity. We too went from sight to blind to glory. We had been waiting for a redeemer to restore us to full sight. And that Redeemer, Jesus Christ, he has come. He is the restorer of sight to blind eyes. This is the beauty of the gospel. The simple beauty of the gospel that Trinity Church of the Nazarene will continue to hold to in this new year. We have a Savior. Come what may in the new year, we have a Savior. Finally, what we find in this passage, in this miracle story, is that is the reminder that he who began the good work is faithful to complete it. Aren't you glad that it doesn't stop at blurry? It doesn't end there. Jesus doesn't leave this man with blurry sight. I believe that the question that Jesus asks him is one of mercy, of compassion. Jesus wanted to offer this man the opportunity to be honest with God. He did not have to pretend to have it all together. He he didn't have
have to give in to the religious pressure and say, oh, I see. Oh, I see everything clearly. But he admitted. He was honest. I can see a little, but it's still blurry. And Jesus, I don't want to settle here. I don't want to live forever in the blurry. Yes, I'm grateful for the little steps. I'm thankful for the bits of growth here and there. But please, oh Jesus, will you take me to full sight? Will you give to me all that you have for me? All that you did on the cross for my salvation and for my sanctification. Will you give it to me, God? I want to press in for the second touch. I don't know about you, but I have a running list, and it's getting longer, of people that I'm just going to hold in eternity, that I'm just going to run up to them and give them a hug. This man's made it to the list. I want to run up to him and thank him for being honest. He might have not gotten a second touch if he had not been honest. I want to say to him, thank you. Thank you for modeling the way. Thank you for admitting that we don't all see clearly all the time. Thank you for reminding us that we all suffer from spiritual blindness at one point or another. Sometimes nearsightedness, sometimes farsightedness, sometimes blind spots, sometimes areas of weakness, parts of our life that need deeper sanctification. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for teaching us that a second touch from the master is needed in our lives too. This man's sight, it was fully restored. The story continues once more. Once more. Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes and then he saw everything clearly. The year 2020 brought with us this promise and this expectation of 2020 vision. And yet it was one of the most blurry years that we have ever lived. It was hard to see what God was doing in the midst of everything and the, the chaos in the world. Many still today wonder if the church, not just Trinity Church, but the church universal will survive what has happened Will we be restored? Will we ever be normal again? But I would like to invite you here today, Trinity Church, to believe with me again. That even in the blurry, God is with us. I, I want to invite you to stay true to the core of the gospel message that proclaims that we have a Savior named Jesus and that in being honest with God, that we desperately need him. That we desperately need his second touch again. See, honesty is the only prerequisite that I find in this story for Jesus to once more put his eyes upon this man and restore him to clear vision. I invite, I invite you there where you are, wherever you are, whatever may be going on in your heart and your mind, I invite you to join me in prayer. To join me in prayer, asking the Lord to, to guide us in a special way in this new year as, as a church family, as individuals. We all, we all know what we're going through, but believing that God is able and that he wants to 
guide us into seeing with greater clarity. Let us pray. Almighty God, we are so grateful that you are a God who loves us so profoundly. And we're so grateful for the way that you work in our lives, in the world. But we're so grateful that we have been those who lived in darkness and yet we have seen a great light. God, and yet we exist as a church because there are so many that are out in the world and we have a commission by Jesus that we must fulfill. We want to, with great compassion, point other blind people to the one who can restore their sight again. God, but we admit that much like the disciples, we have a version of Jesus in our mind that, that we want to cling to. The version that says that all is going to be well all the time. The version that says that we, we will have everything in our time frame. That we will be exempt from the pain of the world. And you so graciously remind us that we can't have a Savior without a cross. And that this wasn't just the path for you, but that this is the path for all of us. That if we are to be your disciple, that we must carry our own cross and come and follow you. God, and that's so hard to do. We need you, Jesus. We need you to expand our view. Expand our worldview. Expand our, our understanding, God. We admit that we have been formed by so many things. By our culture. By our experiences. We submit those to you, Lord, and we say, would you, would you shape us? Would you transform us? Would you guide us? Would you help us to, to accept the gospel in greater measure, the fullness of the gospel? Remind us today, Lord, on this first Sunday of the new year that you are the one who has begun the good work. 85, almost 86 years ago, Lord, you began a good work in somebody's heart. And that seed and that fruit has reached us today, and here we are. God, but would you remind us that you are not done with us yet, that you will be faithful to complete all that you have called us to. And again, Lord, we start this year saying we need you. We need you to guide us. We need you to direct us. We, we need you, God, to heal our blind eyes, to unstop our deaf ears. We, we want to be a spirit-led church. We want to walk into places that you've called us to walk into. We want to serve you faithfully. We want to dream your dreams, oh God. 
We're not just trying, Lord, to self-maintain as a church. For history's sake, God, we have plans. You have plans and purposes, Lord, for this congregation of believers. As you have for every individual that is still on planet Earth. God, you have a task, a mission. Help us to get on your mission, God. We love you. And we're believing, God. We're believing that greater things are still to come for your church. We love you and we praise you in the name of Christ.